0: Battle Force 2000, the walking, breathing, proving grounds for tomorrow's battlefield technology today. Highly trained specialists entrusted with one-of-a-kind, state-of-the-art prototypes. Their mission, to support GI Joe and field test experimental equipment under battlefield conditions. At least that was the dream. The reality, however, fell a little short of that. My name is Steven. And I'm joined
1: by. Paul. <laughs> and. Cujo, who's had a week of highs and lows, but is here to decompress and elevate my mind and talk G.I. Joe.
0: And together we form G.I. Joe Berg. Tonight's mission Extreme Makeover Battle Force 2000 Edition. How the heck do we save this concept? Because. <laughs> Ask pretty much any G.I. Joe fan, the answers are all the same. It's kind of a broken concept in G.I. Joe. It was noble, but never quite hit the mark they were going for. I don't know guys, a futuristic team of operatives inside a futuristic team of operatives. I mean, G.I. Joe typically used experimental equipment to begin with. I mean, as early as 1983, you had the XPF 14 Skystriker jet. The X presumably means experimental, and it's GI Joe's mission to field test experimental, cutting-edge, futuristic weapons of tomorrow today. So I think first and foremost, Battle Force 2000 has to defeat its own redundancy. <laughs> but I'm getting ahead of myself. Tonight, our primary focus is on the BF 2000. Thanks to the Figure Subscription Service's announcement that they will be tackling the initial six Battle Force 2000 figures in their upcoming Subscription Service Figure Selection. That and Battle Android Troopers. It's a whole lot of battle going on. But we have a few other things on the agenda tonight as well, including some very exciting new toys. Paul, do you want to get into that?
2: Yeah, man, I totally want to get into that. Okay, I'm going to be a little selfish before I get into the big reveal because the big reveal is ultimately cooler. A really cool and fan of the show and uh, a <laughs> friend out. of mine, fan of the show, uh, sent me a care package. <clears throat> now, you guys all know what a care package is. Uh, it's uh, something that either a secret agent gets halfway through, he gets like a dead drop, and the care package has got some cool stuff in it a gun, a laser you know a watch with a you know remote detonator you know that kind of thing but that's not what i got what i got was one of my most sought after and favorite gi joe vehicles the cobra flight pod aka the trouble bubble and not the modern era the vintage era version which i've got to say is super sweet i mean i've been playing with this thing since i opened the box this morning and uh I unfortunately was away from most of today, but as soon as I got back and as the first thing I put my, my grubby little paws around. Uh, I've thrown a televiper in there and we've been having lots of fun together. I did do one little mod. I took out the clip that holds the figure in there because uh, on the televiper, and I don't know if this is uh the same with other Joes, but I just find that it uh it's kind of splits the upper and lower torso too much and it seems to put a bit too much pressure on the elastic, on the on the O-ring. But the Trouble Bubble has got enough redundancy in terms of uh, toy support here that I have no fear that my Televiper is going to fall out.
0: Hold on. What clip?
2: Yeah, there's a back clip. There's like a, a gray kind of pinchy type clip that is worked into the seat. It's actually got a, a screw at the back. You can actually uh, tighten it or release it. It was an easy fix. And that is designed to, to keep the figure fixed in the seat.
0: Hmm, but the the original Trouble Bubble was a... Back backplug. Well, then things. maybe <laughs> this
2: is the modern era one. All uh-huh. I know.
0: That's why it looks so clean in photographs that you showed me, Paul. I think we've just ah. identified that you have, in fact, a modern era trouble bubble. Well, good for well, you, buddy.
2: Thanks, man. Well, then i got to say that as far as that's concerned, then this is a great modern era toy then, because unlike the claw, it seems to have a lot of its vintage charms. It's uh, some assembly required, It's got moving rudders. It can be disassembled and reassembled, and that's great. Unlike the claw, which a lot of the removable panels have been sort of hard molded into the actual vehicle. So, hey, score. This has been great. And I even got, like Steve mentioned, a very clear canopy or bubble and replacement stickers. So, I've got a whole bunch of stickers I can still put on this. So, this is like a new toy. Very excited.
0: Cool, man.
2: That's me for Joe, oh, and uh, I'm going to mention as well, it's a small thing, it's not a major thing, <laughs> but I got a Salvo, a modern era Salvo, which I managed to find from a local seller. He's a great toy, uh, he came with all of his gear, sends the, the briefcase that he has, uh, which is, okay, cool, and the rocket launcher has a broken handle, which I fixed. Um, I put on my own handle, I do stuff like that. But, I neglected to, to notice he's broken crotch. So now I've got Dolvo with no dick. And, yeah. So it's still <laughs> cool to have him. Don't misunderstand me. But now I'm in the market for Salvo's crotch.
0: Paul is suffering from perhaps a, a relapse into vintage G.I. Joe collecting after having been a modern era collector. Uh, you don't bother looking at crotches on modern era figures. It's something that you've got to keep your eyes peeled for in the, the aging vintage G.I. Joe market, of course. It's not just the thumbs, baby. Not just the thumbs.
1: Something of a conspiracy since Salvo just became a female in the G.I. Joe comic universe. Food for thought.
2: <laughs> I don't know if my Salvo is transgender, but...
0: I know Rob's itching to get fired up on, on opening Salvo's. <laughs>
2: <laughs> indeed
0: so we'll save it for when we have the full team assembled
1: oh I was just, I was just making an illusion
2: yeah no no it's it's actually it's quite a good uh, connection there <laughs> <Pooch>. <laughs> it's like, because I didn't think of it that way uh, but the irony is not lost on me I, I, I can promise you that Steve do, would you like to give the big reveal I mean, I know many listeners of ours have seen the unboxing video that we are about to speak about, but for those of you who haven't, uh, this is going to be a great in-depth discussion
0: on that. This journey called G.I. Berg, which started back in 2011, which was really just uh, me and this guy that I just met, Paul, we discovered shared childhood passion for G.I. Joe and This passion ran deep enough for us to be able to speak inexhaustibly about it from start to finish, whenever we met up to the moment we parted company. So an instant bond was formed. Way back when we started to record our conversations, we never believed that we'd have a listenership one day. And further to that, a listenership that so enjoy what we do, they want to add to our enjoyment of our hobby by giving us small pieces of their collection be it a figure that might see better use in our hands that they won't miss too much uh, care packages from ar- around the world have found their way to South Africa but this particular parcel is perhaps more, n- more noteworthy than most simply because it contained three of Jim Godfrey's exceptional customs. The man is a wizard with customizing modern era action figures and slapping on custom paint jobs and basically realizing figure concepts that blow what Hasbro is currently producing or has been producing over the past few years out of the water. His stuff is really, really good. And... After Paul and I were fawning over his most recent creations, he agreed to whip up three very impressive customs for the three South African members of this podcast. For myself, he created a rock and roll. And this being quite an inspired version of rock and roll, it doesn't fit the templates of previous rock and rolls. It's not the green BDUs of the first version. It's not the tan uh Gatling Gunner... Peaked Cap version 2. This is a denim-wearing, old-school sneaker-rocking, tattooed-to-the-max, punk rock uh, rock and roll. And it is sublime. (laughs) It's all the rock and roll I never knew I needed, but now cannot live without. For Paul, you can continue from here, my brother.
1: Hold on. I've seen that rock and roll, dude. Like, that should be the new rock and roll, really. Correct. Jim says he
0: based it upon the uh, design templates from, uh, was it the
1: Revolutions comic book run? Ooh, I'm sure you'll throw that up on your Facebook. People need to look at that.
0: He showed me some uh, design breakdowns that, that inspired him to create uh, a rock and roll, which he then mailed off to the creator of that design. So there's a beautiful <laughs> cross-pollination of, of uh, a G.I. Joe or an action figure-inspired comic book. And a action figure inspired by the comic book. Which is wonderful. Oh, what a time to be alive, gents. But Paul, pick up the ball, man. What did Jim give to you, my brother?
2: I got a... A Jim Custom Tiger Force Outback. Okay, and the reason I specifically say that... Yeah, yeah, it is that. It's just like a kick in the nuts. It's it's intense. (laughs) Um, And then awesome that you survived it. Artbag... Okay, uh, for those of you...
0: <laughs> That's great. Was that a Paul Loeb original? Oh, <laughs> there geez. you go. That's
2: another Forgive one. Forgive me for while it.
0: I kiss your ass, a oh, master of comedy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, please. Um, okay, so, for European fans, which the G.I. Joe South African... Well, the the G.I. Joe team sort of falls under. I mean, a lot of our re- releases were... G.I. Joe packaging with Action Force stickers slapped over them, uh, which meant that we had the benefit of getting the Euro-exclusive Tiger Force figures in our stores. It wasn't like a special thing or whatever. We actually got those toys. And uh, I was obviously too young or whatever and I missed out on them, but I had grown up with the catalogs uh, and, you know, Tiger Force Blizzard was always cool. Tiger Force Psycart was also pretty awesome. But Tiger Force Artback was badass. And when it dawned on me that these were actually European exclusives and, and that these weren't available for normal release in the States, I kind of felt that heavy weight of the dollar. Because a Tiger Force Outback will set you back, well, about, looking back, back. <laughs> anyway, will set you back about uh $60, $70, $120, $200, depending on if it's in card, how mint it is, and all that jazz. So, it's a very difficult toy to get hold of.
0: Don't you mean euros, brother? No, <laughs> no, mean, specifically. You're looking for a European exclusive in the States? <laughs> it seems a little bit arse about face.
2: Well, I'm just making it a relatable number because when I do search for them on eBay, I still have it um, set for dollar because that just makes me feel a bit more optimistic about life. Um, because the euros. There's, there's mm-hmm. a lot of Masons.
1: that are happy about that. Yeah. Yeah. So,
2: <laughs> so uh,. Yeah, I was a bit despondent because I kind of relegated myself to sort of accepting that I probably wouldn't own a Tiger Force artback anytime soon. And then a collector's club released an artback, and he was $60. And I'm sorry, collector's club, but you just used the old artback body from the modern era sculpt and slapped on that head and did the paint job, which, listen, it's great for a lot of guys, but Outback's modern era figure has a lot of flaws, those arms being one of them and i i cannot i I just can't reconcile spending sixty dollars or seventy dollars for a toy that I know is flawed. it's just I can't do it and then Jim stepped in with this amaze balls customization, and I love it. It is um a more savage kind of outback. so he's not wearing the orange shirt with the tiger motif. he is actually um he, it looks like he started off with that shirt, but that over time it got torn you know to to fix up wounds and to you know whatever, you know, to plug up water bottles or whatever, so all that's left now is basically a very trendy Tiger neck scarf, which he wears over his bare body, and he's got um, some exquisite and intricate web gear, which is much in the same vein as his original sort of uh, jacket that he had, but a lot more suited for for a survivalist in that it's got a few more pouches and pockets and a space for knives, and, you know, he can keep all of his rations and water pills and all of that stuff on him which is great uh he's got a backpack that easily looks like it's been lifted off some unlucky cobra viper and has been given new life as uh, as his go-to backpack because that viper must have died a few years ago and outbacks just kept this thing as his lucky pack i mean he's got commo gear on there that's communications gear for those of you who are not inclined or to who it's not obvious enough to he's got a big ass knife jim calls it a bowie knife on there, he's got a couple of grenades, you know, for when he's feeling festive. Uh, an additional water bottle, and the detail is just all brought out in, you know, true superb Jim style. I mean, he's, I mean, dry brushing and all that is one technique to bring out detail, but Jim has actually gone in there with a spine brush and actually painted in some incredible lines there. I mean, as a as a model builder and as a as somebody who's been doing. Uh, model kits as a hobby for a long time I do recognize some of these techniques but then other techniques of him I look, uh, of his I look at here I'm like wow that, that is skill I mean there's technique and then there's skill I mean the tiger stripes on the pants are fantastic it's it's not an in your face Tiger Force outback but it's undeniably Tiger Force outback with his white hair and gruff appearance he is too cool plus uh, and, and I'm going to throw this out to you Jim because I know you're listening I don't know if you did this in, on purpose, but he's put a scorpion tattoo on Artback's ta- uh, left wrist. Okay, my, my Zodiac is a Scorpio, and for anybody who is a Scorpio, we tend to take our Zodiac a little seriously. A little, some of us. And I do. I've always seen it as a bit of a totem animal. So that was that was a little bit like Serendipitous, in a weird way, or Kismet, I suppose. That Jim, I don't know if you knew to do that, or if, the, if it was just, just something that happened. But, wow, dude, it just makes the figure so much cooler. It actually makes me feel like I'm out back.
0: So, yeah, <laughs> man. Give it a few years, man. You need the white hair.
2: Yeah, no, I don't know if I'm going to go salt and pepper anytime soon. But if my dad's anything to go by, it's definitely a look I'll have. <laughs> then I'll
0: rock. Because I could rock that beard. So, hey. But, friends of G.I. Joeberg, a picture tells a thousand words. So, if you'd like to see these customs, and assuming you haven't already... Check out our YouTube channel. We have done an unboxing video, a very enthusiastic one, both Paul and I. Rob received his uh, solitaire, since he's over in Cape Town and Paul and I are in Johannesburg currently. So he did an unboxing uh, video of his own on his channel. No clarity here, all one word. And we're not going to reveal what Rob got, just in case he wants to do the honors himself next time we have him on air. But uh, is there anything else new that you'd like to discuss at this point, Paul or Kujo? Kuj, you got anything new, buddy?
1: I could speak on the monthly Collector's Club magazine that I receive and enjoy. Um, oh, I will too. say that the Action Man fans, the 12-inch, I'm not one of those, but uh, they're getting a treat for the, the Collector's Club this year. They're getting some kind of esoteric explorer. The dude comes with like a glow-in-the-dark casket and stuff. Or something like that? Oh, that's cool. <laughs> well, I'm saying that I was like, dude, I want one of those guys on, on that's, the G.I. That's course.
2: what I saw on their website, dude. What I saw on their website was like, hey, it's Action Man's Summer Holiday. <laughs> <laughs> summer Safari. I don't know. But well, they, like, they may some... not be a tool and just that because that shit's actually kind of cool. No, I was
1: I, like, I want to fill that role on the uh, three and three quarters line. I, I want to be the esoteric explorer. No, but uh, they did have a write-up about Stiletto, and I know people are sniffing around that character, too. Uh, One of the characters from the Kindle series, I I believe. And and the article gave her a little bit of context. Uh, I thought it was pretty cool that they brought up that she's like a a knife expert, which I I was trying to think, is there another G.I. Joe character that's expressly like a knife handler?
0: (laughs) I was doing some research for my own Kindle world's uh, novelization. And gung ho man, he uh, grew up as a knife fighter, which is why, like, <laughs> at one point, a character in my fiction uh, has some conjecture, like, "Why, why didn't the action figure come with a knife?" <laughs> <Which> <laughs> That's is, a good I call. Of you. <laughs> um,
2: um, the, sorry, Cooch, and no, I'll, I'll be two seconds here. Uh, Now the name stiletto makes a lot more sense, actually, because the stiletto is, I mean, aside from the the heel, it's actually a dagger. (laughs) That was not my first thought. I'm sorry. When they said stiletto, I thought heels. And you know what? I am seeing somebody about that, and I'm having long conversations about them involving my childhood. So for all of those listeners that are out there thinking, oh my God, Paul, don't worry, I found help.
1: Carry on. (laughs) I, well, I have to imagine that might be a creative double entendre from the author. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Um, but I'm still not sold on the character's look. The figure combines purple and green. And, I, and, I, and those colors never really work together for me. Ooh, Constructicon, baby. Come on. Yeah, I yeah. I, I know they do it. I'm just saying, like, I don't normally see it in in camo or armor, I guess, or motif. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> I will say this: that I could only find one official drawing, official meaning like it came from Hasbro, of Stiletto. She's kind of pulling a a Storm Shadow pose, where she's looking over her shoulder a little bit. I'm kind of going to refer back to a couple uh, conversations ago, but I think they just need to step up their game with artwork. And there, there's there's lots of Joe Joe artists out there, but I need to see a little bit more intensity out of their uh, the 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 GI Joe drawings nowadays.
2: Uh that's yeah, kind of what I'm taking from Stiletto. I gotta say, I miss uh, Mike Thompson's artwork. Uh, the Modern Era Pursuit of Cobra cards and the Rise of Cobra cards, uh, and as well as the box art for the for a lot of the vehicles, really had fantastic artwork that mm. I that I still value
0: today. It was its own thing. It wasn't trying to be the classic, you know, painted artwork. It was this, yeah, it was beautiful stuff. Agreed.
2: You no, know, his blog is fantastic. If you guys haven't checked it out yet, uh, Joe fans, do yourself a favor. Check out Mike Thompson's blog. It is fantastic. Mike He's actually Thompson. doing Mike Thompson. Uh, that's Thompson. son, so <laughs> <laughs> uh, And he, you can also find. I th- I'm pretty sure it's his art that's on the current run of the Star Wars um, cards as well. When I saw them today, they were very distinctly his. So
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, anyway. <laughs>
0: Last little bit of new G.I. Joe nugget. Uh, (laughs) I got a belated birthday gift from Paul, uh, and that's the best kind really because it's a surprise that way. (laughs) It's like, yeah, yeah, sure, you know, you can expect stuff on your birthday, but like when you arrive in a new city and your best bud just hands you A parcel? You're like, what is this? Anyways, (laughs) see if you can guess. He's the big boss of the G.I. Joe team, and he's fresh out of the tan can. And he's ready to bark orders like, move out! Or give the enemy a piece of his mind like, eat lead, Cobra! (laughs) Yes, folks, it's Talking Battle Commanders Hawk, and he's a beauty. He's Hawk for the 90s, with his rippling biceps, his uh, Cheetos... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> complexion and he's ready to do all the devastating moves that he he is capable of in the gi joe 2 um atlantis factor video game like the flight life kick, crisis one two punch and the knee drop this guy's freaking awesome and he's accompanied me to work practically every single day now i play with him any opportunity i get thank you paul
2: oh dude it's a pleasure bro as, uh, after that, i wow, <laughs> I mean, the look on your face is enough, but hey, <laughs>
0: <laughs> so thank you, Paul, thank you, Jim, thank you, all of our friends out there, listeners, anyone who 's ever contributed in any small way, be it in writing or even sending us something uh out of your sheer generosity of spirit. <laughs> thank you, thank you all we We do this for the love, we love each other, we love the fact that you love us. <laughs> Uh, it's all very encouraging, and and we will keep on keeping on.
1: Oh, yeah. I just had a thought. I just Move had up. a thought. X it, could yeah. also stand for extreme, brother. Just saying.
0: Extreme! extreme. <laughs>
1: Sorry. <laughs> Guess what
2: I've been watching.
0: <laughs> and speaking huh. of yeah, Joe, people excuse. reaching out to us, uh, if you have been listening to this podcast feed for the past five or so episodes... You will know that G.I. Joeberg has collaborated with a Canadian fella called Mike Mercy, who has a fantastic YouTube channel of his own. Very varied, but definitely a strong G.I. Joe thread running through it. He's obviously a fan of the toys, the comics, the cartoons. And we have embarked on a mammoth undertaking, which I'm not entirely sure I was fully cognitive when I signed my name in blood. But we are going to add commentary (laughs) to practically all of Sunbow's original animated run. I know many have tried. Few have actually completed that task. So let me not, uh, you know, shoot my mouth off. It's early days. We've only just completed the mass device. But it's certainly an enjoyable experience. I've been posting them on our Podbean page, and therefore they would be on iTunes under G.I. Joeberg. I'm going to probably stop that and just keep uh, G.I. Joeberg. Uh, podcasts separate and distinct but I would urge anyone who is a fan of these commentaries whether you like listening to them in the abstract or whether you like actually watching the cartoon with us in your ears as it were, by all means please find Mike Mercy's YouTube channel and check it out that's Michael Mercy he also does a pretty neat video presentation with uh, little screen grabs from the show that we're talking about uh, sort of as germane to what we are talking about as possible, which is helpful because I know sometimes we can get pretty uh, carried away (laughs) in our discussions and it can be somewhat confusing to try and follow. Anyways, that's a fun little exciting project that we've just embarked on. And now I'd like to reach out to another member of our our listenership, another friend of ours, this time a gentleman from the U.S. called Dan Szymanski who has written us several very lengthy, wonderfully written, and very thoughtful letters, so long that I would hesitate to read back an entire letter. But he has recently discovered us and has undertaken to listen to every single episode from our very first, very (laughs) rudimentary recordings up to the current stuff. And so he had a few thoughts he'd like to share, and I was hoping to open it up to the floor, as it were. So this is from Dan Szymanski. Now for some back-issue comments. Episode 12, The Air Superiority Debate. I feel Rob made some really good points on his hurricane argument, so much so that I feel he might have won. Granted, every dogfight is susceptible to any number of variables or mistakes, as the outcome of any air battle could go in any direction, no pun intended. But where Rob won me over was with his high-tech argument. The 1983 Sky Striker was inspired by the F-14, which was ultimately replaced, albeit after a 36-year run. In the G.I. Joe verse, the Sky Striker was complemented, or replaced, three years later by the Conquest X-30, which barely got a mention in the debate. And five years later by the X-19, which you guys did mention. Six full years later, the Sky Striker was re-released as a Night Force vehicle, which primarily flies at night, right? Ten years later, the Joes release a Day Fighter, which is a stolen-slash-repainted Night Raven. Sky Patrol Sky Raven, point for Paul. From a technology standpoint, I feel Joe team's budget and primary investment was thrown toward larger tactical weapons like the Flag, Defiant, MCC, Rolling Thunder, General, Thunderclap, etc. At which time, Cobra comes out with the Hurricane for air dominance. My guess is that the G.I. Joe team's primary answer to the Hurricane was the Storm Eagle or Ghost Striker, which has a striker in the name. Ironic. The big knocks on the Hurricane were its 30 minutes max air combat maneuvering time, all of which may or may not be needed, as stated by Rob, and the 50mm cannon, which could be a Typer, also mentioned. My nostalgic side had me rooting for the Sky Striker during the entire podcast. However, after thinking about it some more... I think Rob gets the win. Sorry, Steve. <laughs> so uh, it looks like, I mean, it, there's this terrific sense of history that uh, Dan is evoking. It's really wonderful uh, and terrifying to know that someone's listening back to our early endeavors and thinking about it so, uh, and engaging with it so so deeply. But uh, Rob, if you were here tonight, I'm sure you'd be thrilled to know that way, way back... In episode 12, I think that must have been like 2012, maybe even earlier, late 2011, Yeah, you came out on top with your hurricane. Paul, as I recall, you picked the Night Raven, did you not?
2: I did, yes, yeah.
0: And I was like, uh it's a spy plane, Uh, give me an air superiority fighter any day, give me the Sky Striker. (laughs) (laughs) But if you're curious, listeners, and you want to go back and and listen to episode 12, I can't account for the audio quality, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh hopefully the arguments came out um clearly enough.
2: Well I think they did. I mean we're still here, right? So <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah, sheer grit and determination. Coog, I don't suppose you've uh you've taken a flick through our back catalogue. I won't disown
1: you. I cherry pick. If I like if I like how it's flowing, I'll go with it. Um but I have a back catalogue too, and actually we're doing something trippy with it at the moment. It's called the Lost Tapes, but I'm not. I'm not going to get into that. Yeah. No. I've I've listened to most of you gents. I'll go there.
2: <laughs> he says with trepidation.
0: Well, to cap this uh cap this off, uh, we at GI Joeberg are thrilled that people listen to our stuff, and even more so that people listen to us our old stuff. And the cherry on the top is when people like Dan write in to tell us their thoughts and opinions on how the debate could have gone down. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to think I'm still on top, but okay. (laughs) You know what I'm dreading? Hurricane for the dreading.
2: (laughs) I'm dreading the day that an American pilot listens to our podcasts and enjoys them, but gets hold of us and goes, Okay, guys, firstly, a plane can't fucking do that. (laughs) (laughs) Secondly, yes, a plane can do that. Not then. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for that guy. I'm, I'm both excited and terrified of that guy. So if you're well, that guy, please send that Someone
0: mail. who served on an aircraft carrier watched our YouTube video on the flag and got hold of me. It, it wasn't um, necessarily to critique the technical sides of the modifications that I made, but more just praise in terms of it's far better to have that internal space being utilized and absolutely you need a bit of extra height it needs to stand a little bit higher out of the the waterline the pretend waterline (laughs) because yeah we're not going to put our flag in the pool anytime soon thanks so yeah you know it's it's found merits from a gentleman in the service of his country's navy wonderful incidentally that flag video is what put us in contact with Mike Mercy to begin with because that Canuck decided to crib our idea. Uh, he did give kudos, of course. I mean, he he's not going yeah, to um, commit plagiarism, but his um his his version of what we did to our flag is pretty bang on. Uh, he yeah. matched the paint tones. To it looked like the, he the stole trusset. Steven's flag. <laughs> <laughs> I think his is a little bit more complete. Um, I I, I, I have to very um, shamefully admit. Yeah, I'm missing the little um, antennas for my radar dishes, and not to mention those stupid Y clips. Whatever.
1: Imitation, gents. Cheers. Yeah. Yes, sir. No, but that—that I, I, that was cool, though. Like,
2: uh, to see that, you know, because at first when we saw that, we were like, I—I I was like, wow. So that idea had traction.
1: <laughs> and well, are you know.
2: trendsetters. and yeah well I mean we don't think of ourselves that way and then literally I think it was the next day hey Steve the next day I think it's the yeah the following day or the day after uh, Mike just got hold of us and he's like hey guys what's happening (laughs) so (laughs) like oh hey man
0: (laughs) look I just I just needed to be able to wheel my flag around anytime I get it set up it's in a nice smooth environment it just rocks so much harder to be able to move it (laughs) you know and move it smoothly and safely, of course. I mean, gee it was 30-year-old toy, that. 32-year-old toy? Jeez. Sorry. <laughs> Shut up.
2: You like to move Gentlemen, it,
0: right? I think we have uh, managed to speak matters arising to death. <laughs> Anything else you'd like to uh, mention before we plunge into our primary topic for this evening? So, uh...
2: I am actually. I'm just feeling super spoiled, and yeah, I'm just. I'm feeling really good right now. Let's do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Battle Force 2000.
0: I shudder to think that there are fans of elements of it. Not all of the figure designs were atrocious. Not all of the vehicles are irredeemable. But I think we can all agree that they did not add materially to the 1987 range of figures as they should have. They should have been a cool new subset that integrated well with the rest of that year's G.I. Joe team but unfortunately they were somewhat on this castaway island and never quite worked within G.I. Joe. There were some half-baked attempts at least in the comic books. Valiant attempts in fact uh, working them in as a kind of a exactly that a sort of experimental weapon testing unit. I think they had success in their debut issue but beyond that What do you do with the concept? Do they go on to test new experimental weapons? Or do they stick with their existing motor pool and just keep testing them (laughs) for the (laughs) eventual day that they will see active service with G.I. Joe? So it surprised me very little, actually, when Larry Harmer, in a masterstroke, decided to rinse his hands of the Battle Force 2000 in one fell swoop and just had them annihilated. In the battle of Benzin,
2: uh, he had kind of guarded those guys
0: in something as arbitrary as an artillery strike by Cobra that they weren't even the intended target of. Cobra commander was uh, haggling for the the price at which the Emir of Benzene could buy back his country, <laughs> and the Emir lowballed Cobra commander, so the Cobra commander decided to annihilate an oil field with artillery. And that oil Mm. field happened to be the oil field that the Battle Force 2000 were traipsing through at the time because High Command reasoned that Cobra wouldn't uh, jeopardize an oil field. They wouldn't risk blowing one up. (laughs) Well, (laughs) Command got it wrong. Cobra (laughs) got it right. Yay. Uh,
2: If I'm not mistaken, uh, wasn't uh, Cobra Commander quite apprehensive about that move? I mean, he was. Let me get the, the chronology right. I think this sets off a series of events with Cobra Commander where he starts uh, trying not to kill everybody. I, I, that's just an oversimplification, folks. But
0: the mm, other uh, way around, I think Cobra Commander wanted the Joes to be let off scot-free to avoid a sort of an incident and avoid them getting involved in the the benzene conflict. But the the exact move that I'm speaking of was almost a kind of a an exercise in flippance. Like, Cobra Commander was like, oh, to hell with you. (laughs) If you're not going to give me a decent enough offer, I'm just going to start wasting your own reserves rather arbitrarily. And whoever happens to be in the path of the wrecking ball, as it were.
2: Yeah, collateral damage.
0: But anyways, how they were handled in the comic books aside, the toys are going to form the focus of what I'm going to speak about. How can we make the Battle Force 2000... Not only attractive toys, but toys that work within the concept of G.I. Joe. Because as I said in the introduction of this episode, G.I. Joe had no problem with integrating experimental weapons and equipment into their motor pool. So who are these guys to then come and, like, now it's their specialty to to test experimental equipment? Like, huh? G.I. Joe was doing that just fine without them. You know, for every real-world helicopter like the Dragonfly, you had a Skyhawk. Like, there is cutting-edge, futuristic equipment integrated seamlessly into the sort of the green team of classic G.I. Joe vehicles. So, each of us on this episode have been tasked with coming up with a three-step program (laughs) to fix Battle Force 2000. And mine I will deal with first because I am going retrospective on this. Not prospective. I'm not going to talk about inducting these figures into the modern era by retooling them, by fixing their sculpts, by basically doing a better job than the figure subscription service. I feel that kind of discussion is handled by the customizers of this world, i.e., not me. (laughs) Jim Godfrey actually brought something to my attention, which I think I'm going to use the opportunity to reference now. Another fellow master customizer whipped up the original six members of the Battleforce 2000 team with aplomb. The fella's name is Dav Anthony. And if you'd like to find it, if you scroll through uh, G.I. joberg 's tweets, you'll find it. I will also put the relevant photographs up on our Facebook page. They are spectacular. He's even managed to integrate a Luke Skywalker um, helmet uh, for Avalanche, which I thought was very cool. But the, the, the lot of them are looking badass. And, yeah, I rest my case. If you're going to do a modern-era representation of the Battle Force 2000, this guy's template is the one to follow. No disrespect to the figure subscription service, I imagine they are always beset with shortcomings, difficulties budgetary constraints, tooling constraints, and let's face it, when you're that, when you fly that close to the sun, you're open to criticism from all corners. I like to stay positive about things, but like the amount of bad-mouthing is overwhelming. The mock-ups don't inspire much joy from uh, the folks that I've spoken to at least.
2: When I saw the first picture of the Collector's Club exclusive Battleforce 2000, I was actually I was a little impressed because I actually thought they nailed it. I thought that they still look as crap as they ever have.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry, but, you know. <laughs> Don't mess with a turd. Yeah. <laughs> you, can't, you can't improve it. You <laughs> can yeah. polish that one up.
1: And how and are you so going to fix it? it? How am I yeah, going to fix gonna it?
0: Well, I'm going to jump in my time machine and go back to 87, or should I say 85, 86, when the whole concept of Battle Force 2000 was mooted for the first time. Looking back with hindsight firmly in mind, I think the problem that Battleforce 2000 had outright was that it was geared around a concept that didn't work. And that was creating a sub-team that was separate and distinct to G.I. Joe's main line. The six original guys were vehicle drivers. That was their role. They had no rhyme or reason being single-carded other than to make a buck, other than to force you into buying six individually carded figures just so you could pair them with their vehicles. The idealist in me says, make them available with the vehicles. Make the vehicles all include an exclusive figure. So that's point one. <laughs> just put them in with the vehicles. It always adds a veneer of quality to a vehicle to have an included operator. It makes sense that way. These guys aren't meant to be infantrymen running around with a rifle. Sure, they look cool doing it. Some of the designs are downright well-suited for infantry purposes. I mean, Colonial Marines, Dodger over there looks damn cool in an infantry team. But the figures themselves do not suggest that at all. And you need only look at their lack of accessories. They all came with what was typical for a G.I. Joe driver. A gun... Maybe a removable helmet or maybe a mouthpiece, but no backpacks, nothing more involved. I mean, part of me was like, "Mm, maybe we should try and finagle the figures so they came with more stuff, but I couldn't honestly think beyond, like in the case of Dodger, who is a tank driver, like a toolbox, some sophisticated tank trade reparation kit or something, or something that would interact with the vehicle. Everything that I thought of to add to these figures was vehicle-centric. So I'm like, collapse it. Forget about it. Make them come with the vehicle. I say that's an idealistic argument because obviously Hasbro saw an opportunity to make a buck. They exploited it. I cannot argue with economic reasons. So my first point is almost like a non-point. Take it or leave it. Make the vehicle drivers come with the vehicles. That's how G.I. Joe did it initially. That's how G.I. Joe should have continued to do it. Um, the concept of quality vehicles having no drivers is bogus to me Point number two Relates to the vehicles obviously I'm a vehicle guy. I'm gonna spend most of my time discussing how to fix the Battleforce 2000 motor pool Okay, firstly, I'm gonna start with the easy ones. I wouldn't change the skysweeper much I would just and this goes for all of the vehicles Eliminate the secondary parts. Eliminate them. I've got a better idea for the future fortress than for each vehicle to have something drop off of it. (laughs) So you can cobble together some kind of base. Why do these guys need a base? They're vehicle drivers. They don't inhabit a base. They are out there testing their vehicles. They'd be looking kind of spare hanging out at a base. Unless that base was a repair bay of some kind or a testing bay, or a landing pad. Anyway, so the Future Fortress, that'll form the, my final point. Anyway, so Skysweeper, cool. Give it some glass on the canopy, or make it an armoured pe- canopy. The fact that the canopy is see-through, bogus. Hate that. Uh, and also, enhance the turret to be a multiple missile launcher of some kind. You can't knock out supersonic jets with a cannon. So the Skysweeper's role, which is an important role for G.I. Joe, there isn't enough ground support vehicles that knock out aircraft. A, a mobile SAM unit, perfect. That is a niche that G.I. Joe doesn't exploit nearly enough. You need a dedicated tracked vehicle that can engage incoming fighters and bombers. So the sweeper, great in concept. I wouldn't change much, just enhance the weapons to uh, make them... Better, better at their purpose. The vector wouldn't change much at all either, except it needs to be bigger. It needs to be bigger and it needs to do something that the name suggests. And on that topic, all of the Battle Force 2000 vehicles and guys have the best names. So much so that these names even saw reuse. The Dominator became Destro's Dominator. <laughs> Um, what else? Avalanche was reused several times. The figures and the vehicles all had cool names. Eliminator, Marauder, Vindicator. (laughs) So the Vector, no different. I would just want it to be, as the name suggests, able to vector its thrust. G.I. Joe did not have a vertical takeoff and landing supersonic fighter. In fact, to my mind, did they ever have one?
2: A VTOL. Uh... Yeah. Only recently have we gotten something that's VTOL-esque, and I'm not talking about the Ninja Turtle plane, I'm talking about the Ghost Hawk, or the Skyhawk.
0: Not supersonic.
2: It's not supersonic, yes, that is true, but it's the only VTOL that they have that I can think of.
0: To make the Vector able to take off and land vertically would be a no-brainer. It would put it on an equal playing field to what was coming next for Cobra, and certainly Cobra had a a theme of vertical takeoff and landing craft, this would be G.I. Joe's experimental answer to that battlefield need. And if you really want to rip the roof off with the vector, you could make it transorbital. And if you want to push the envelope even further, this was the same year that the Defiant Launch Complex was released. And if you want to create the kind of synergy within a G.I. Joe wave that it had in the earlier years, I'm talking like 1983, where you could park your vamp or your hell or your mobat in the 1983 headquarters give the vector a docking ring to allow it to dock with the space station booster portion of the defiant Mm. give it just a little something to make the battle force 2000 less of an island more on that point later Final point I'd like to make with the Vector, and I'd like to make this a a point across the board with all of the Battle Force 2000 vehicles, do them up in the silver plastic. That screams experimental. The Marauder had it, the Skysweeper had it, the Eliminator had it, the Vindicator had it. The Vector and the Dominator, for whatever reason, okay, the Dominator was a snow tank. (laughs) I'll get onto that in a moment. But the Vector was done in that creamy white. It's not the same kind of smooth-ass white that you had with the Sky Striker. It doesn't scream jet. It screams toy. It's too milky. So give it that silver plastic veneer, and all of a sudden, not only does it look futuristic, it looks experimental, and it looks fucking badass. (laughs) Mm. I'm not talking chrome. That's the Sky Patrol's shtick. But a silver jet for G.I. Joe. Wonderful. So bigger, transorbital, VTOL, silver, and able to dock with the Defiant. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) My next fix, the Eliminator has a great configuration, and I like that it has a computer bank. I think you could expand on that idea and maybe make the inner walls of it lined with computer banks and make it a sort of uh, command truck. That would make sense within a Battle Force 2000 futuristic setting because G.I. Joe needed a nimble Jeep that was slightly more expanded on than, say, a Vamp or an All-Striker, but something that could coordinate strikes from the front line that was nimble and four-wheel drive, but also had a sophisticated array of electronic monitoring and spy equipment. That could have been the function of the Eliminator and would have made a bit more sense than just adding another Jeep. Because what is futuristic or needing testing when it comes to the Eliminator? It's a four-wheeler with a roll bar
1: and some guns and some missiles. To, to that point, can I ask you a question, Stephen? Hit it, brother. Um Most of the... The vehicles have kind of walleye gun arrangements, you know, guns that can swivel back and forth up front. Mm-hmm. Does that annoy you, uh, aesthetic-wise, or or does that kind of excite you?
0: I'm not terribly uh, aesthetically in favor of the Eliminator having two sort of cannons fixed forward like that, but I do like guns that are on a swivel. I think as a child I always gravitated towards vehicles that had a greater range of firing. So I always pick the bug over the hammerhead uh, because yeah. you could engage targets to the left, to the right, the front, the back. You know, an infantryman sneaking up on this vehicle could be engaged. Whereas with a hammerhead, you've got guns fixed forward. Boring. So, yeah. I mean, to your point, Kuj, I, I I am in favor of swiveling guns. Not if you're referring to the Vector's gun pod, which... You know, trash that completely, remove it. I want smooth, uh, streamlined aerodynamics back there. Certainly if you're hoping to break Earth's orbit and reach escape velocity, which is what what I want my vector to be able to do. Thank you.
2: (laughs) What I want my Vindicator to do is to clean in tight corners. Oh, look, it does. (laughs) Carrying on. Moving
0: swiftly on to the Vindicator then. Nice segue, Paul. The Vindicator is operated by Blaster. And Blaster's claim to fame is that he's a hovercraft guy. I hate to break it to you, pal. uh, And this is heartbreaking to me, especially as a fan of the whale. And we all are. It's a beautiful toy. But hovercrafts do not have great military application. They are rather flimsy craft. They rely on a skirt that is puffed up with air. (laughs) There's very little armor that you can do to to protect that weak spot. They have practical application as amphibious vehicles, but they neither excel as waterborne craft or as surface craft. So they kind of are useless in GI Joe's high-tech, fast-moving battlefield. So the Vindicator, when I look at it, I don't see a hovercraft in any case. This is not a hovercraft. This is a vertical takeoff and landing craft. What I would envision for a Vindicator in order to save it, (laughs) if you can imagine the love child of the Skyhawk and the Tomahawk, a jet powered vertical takeoff and landing helo almost. Those of you who are familiar with old PlayStation 1 games know Uh, a title called G Police. I
2: was waiting. I knew you were going to say that.
0: (laughs) The famous aircraft. From that game series. It was called the Havoc. Which looks slender. Like a helicopter. But it is powered by two. Directional jet exhausts. Similar to the Skywalk. That is how I envision my Vindicator. And if you are familiar with G-Police. You also know that. In addition to having a pilot position up front. It has a small bay. Immediately back from that pilot position. With sliding doors on either side. That can hold about four troops that would be insane for the vindicator to become a very light very fast almost jet like troop transport you could also use it to ferry your wounded from place to place that would save the vindicator concept for me cuz boy does it need saving i mean where do you begin this, this thing is a mess your <laughs> your pilots are completely exposed Uh, if you call it a hovercraft, it ain't that. It's not a helicopter either. It's a mess. It has an identity crisis, which is only further enhanced by its pilots being a hovercraft specialist, but it's not a hovercraft. Anyway, I labor the issue. If you can think havoc, you are there, baby. Moving on to the Marauder. Bogus. Get rid of it. A motorcycle half-track? Are you kidding me? This is so stupid. It's idiotic. (laughs) And what's more idiotic is that it is driven by a tank driver. Dodge's thing is tanks. He's got tanking in his blood. So you put him on a motorcycle? Are you out of your tree? (laughs) The Marauder would be better set as... And this is kind of the way tank combat is going as far as I can understand... Battle tanks, or the place of the main battle tank, is being usurped by lighter, faster, wheeled vehicles. Tank tracks can easily be dismounted by a number of anti-tank weapons, so the amount of armor that a tank can bring to bear is starting to become more and more redundant. Put Dodger in the helm of a very sophisticated, six-wheel, high-riding, large assault vehicle, and I think that would make perfect sense. I'm thinking, uh, forgive me for invoking it, but if you can think the size of the battle wagon, but set in a more realistic color, loaded with sophisticated weapons and assault gear, you've got the future of tank combat, and something that I think Dodger would feel very much at home, riding around in, instead of a stupid... Motorcycle half track,
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: laughable. Finally, the Dominator. Blah. Why did G.I. Joe need a snow tank? He's got the oh, snow cats,
2: exactly. Sorry, that was a motorbike. Sorry, it was, fast, it was too Fast to Furious <laughs> in my neighborhood. I do apologize.
0: Well, to answer my question, I mean, G.I. Joe needed a snow tank. Just so it could give a guy like Avalanche something to do. I feel like the Dominator was somewhat of an afterthought. Like, that's futuristic. It can fight the Cobra Wolf. And fade into obscurity because it wasn't really particularly inspired at its role. It looks ugly. I would ditch it altogether. Completely. Because why? Because it's at odds with the rest of the team. All of these other vehicles are designed to operate wherever you go now all of a sudden you've got this one that has skids hanging off of it so i would ditch it in favor of something that i would call hesitantly the future fortress if you can imagine the general right it has a flat deck but it's got these sides that make it rather unwieldy and you battle to get it through the doorway if you got rid of the sides what does that leave you with a landing platform A platform that could be used by the other vehicles in the Battle Force 2000. You could drive your Marauder up into the bay for repairs. You could land your Vector Jet on top of it. You could also land the Vindicator on top of it. It could be a flatbed transport vehicle that I know you, Paul, have often said the G.I. Joe line sorely lacked. But it would find its place within the Battle Force 2000 because it would have interaction with the futuristic vehicles of the Battle Force 2000. These vehicles are nothing if they don't have a vehicle in the field with them in order to maintain them, test them, rearm them, refuel them. If the premise of the line is to be engaging in experimental weapons testing, you need a vehicle in the field that can operate as a port of call for all of those functions and the dominator would be that thing it even has a cool sounding name because of course it would have to be big and heavy and dominant unlike a stupid snow tank that is a shell former you transformers fans out there (laughs) it's a pretender you know there's a shell that conceals the mini little six-wheeler inside <laughs> so I would create a logistical vehicle that Avalanche could drive, a heavy, and this Dominator vehicle would be, as I say, the future fortress, and would have. And this is my third point. I've now, you know, now I've I've finished talking about how the vehicles can be improved. I mean, I would add a few bits and bobs to Dominator, like it would have robotic arms that would telescope out from the side so it could work on whatever was landed on the top deck but this vehicle would have interactions with the other large logistical vehicle that G.I. Joe produced in 1987 and that was the MCC you want to make a future fortress you've got to put the MCC at the heart of it the Battle Force 2000 vehicles would be complementary to the MCC in its base mode that Mm is my final concept in how to make Battle Force 2000 work within the context of the 1987 wave of figures and vehicles. The Dominator's flatbed could extend over the med bay and communications bay of the MCC. That's the second level. It would add protection, it would add a roof, it would add an ability for you to fly your Vindicator down and drop off injured GI Joe's Directly into the med bay. You could also land your vector on there and use it for um, practically any kind of mission that would require a top secret transorbital interceptor jet. The Eliminator, because it's got all the communications gear, could attach itself to the cab section of the MCC in base mode and augment the sort of the sensor suite That the MCC has and also the place where you can put figures that uh, have the more technical specialties at radar stations, IR surveillance gear stations, all the sophisticated uh, detection stuff that you would jam into the Eliminator, well that's all now attached to the MCC's cab. The Marauder could park itself quite neatly underneath the MCC in its folded out mode There's plenty of parking space under there. And let's face it, that side, that face of the MCC is open to attack. Perhaps having a Marauder with its multi-positional turrets back there would add some support to an area of the MCC that is often forgotten, to be honest. And I'm sure Cobra Saboteurs would love to exploit it. (laughs) And I think that's it for how I would like to save the Battle Force 2000. Just give them a firmer home with the G.I. Joes of that year and the G.I. Joes to come. It's easy to forget about a group of Joes that are, for all intents and purposes, an island. The concept was touched on very little uh, beyond 1988 and 1989. And it was considered completely dead in the water. Oh, oh, one other thing. The Marauder... Could also be taken in the direction of batman 's tumbler, <laughs> think about that an armored vehicle that is also nimble and able to make rampous jumps. Hmm. I think Dodger would get a kick out of that too <laughs> but it would still God. be for all intents and purposes an armored fighting vehicle, not a motorcycle and that 's it for me, guys. Jeez, a little bit of verbal diarrhea. I swing the mic over to my very very capable compatriot, Paul Lobscher. <laughs>
1: Take it and away, do it,
2: I, I'm trying not to hate anything in the line, there, but there are some things that are not my favorite. BF 2000 is probably my least favorite thing in the whole GI Joe sort of release next to DEF, uh, the Drug Elimination Force, or whatever the hell it's called. Okay, and I, I don't even want, really want to go beyond that. I will often buy myself Gundam models. That sometimes I don't necessarily like. I will look at the kit or look at the mecha design. And feel that there is potential for it to be something that I will like. And what I will do is I will buy that uh, kit. And I will mod it up and do things to it. So that it becomes something that I do like. Because it's halfway there. Conceptually I think the problem with Battle Force 2000. Is that it's very difficult to meet halfway with it. Because I personally feel and have always felt that. These figures, the original figures for Battleforce, were never really intended to be a sub-team. I think there were a handful of figures that were, at one point, uh, vehicle drivers. And I think, Steve, you also mentioned that once upon a time in one of our podcasts. where These these guys were meant to be vehicle drivers, possibly for other vehicles. And I think Hasbro needed to do something dynamic. Maybe the vehicles that they wanted to have them for originally were too expensive as maybe it was in a financial year or whatever you know there's millions of reasons but i feel that it is a half concept there's a lot missing uh especially if you look at the file cards of these guys you look at their specialties and what kind of vehicles they're paired with and then as steve sort of listed uh earlier you look at the vehicles and how weak the vehicles are so i would take battleforce uh down back to concept for starters they need a uniform the best figure in that line for me is dodger in fact, I think it's a sin that Dodger is BF2000 because he's too cool to be in that line, personally. And that's where the problem is. They all are badly dressed. And and what I mean by that is that they, they're not uniform, really. I mean, they're white and blue, but then there's green and brown, and then there's Avalanche who takes care of children. And it's just, <laughs> it's just terrible.
0: It was um, dated so, by 1987 already. I mean, the yeah. sort of B-grade sci-fi look of um maverick for instance another wicked cool name
2: yeah exactly and it's so hokey uh so the first thing is give them a cool uniform you know that could have been handled better i think the white is definitely a throw up i I generally like technological white but as steve said the aesthetic is way off it's way dated it just feels hokey and, and hokey in a bad way not hokey cool So, yeah, that would be my first step. Let's give them a cool uniform across the board, and this is where it splits. On one hand, I would like to see if they're going to go and turn this into some kind of conceptual product, where Battle Force is supposed to be this group that tests out all these wonderful technological advancements in military warfare, and and all these experimental weapons are are theirs to test out and, and refine. Then, Let's go full tilt. Let's go full retard on it, okay? Instead of releasing six carded figures with one frickin' gun, which is ugly, let's go another route. Let's take the figure, and with every single figurine, we give them a cool vi- weapon, and then we give them a backpack or some kind of uh, feature. It could be a motorized backpack. You know, the motorized one of my biggest issues with the motorized packs when I was a kid was, oh, no toy. You know, it was just that. It was just the motorized vehicle. So, Battle Force 2000 could have been a great way to have marketed the motorized vehicles in a way that could have made it cooler. Every one of them could have had some kind of cool feature in their motorized vehicle form. And it could have been uh, it could have been like something, some kind of cute little robot thing that walks that could have been designed to, to detect bombs, you know, before Battlefield robots were invented for that task. That kind of stuff could have all been played around with, experimented with. You know, Battle Force's concept is that when I look at all this stuff, it's like, okay, how can we kill Cobra harder? When instead, I think the concept should be, how could we make G.I. Joe more efficient as a military force? How could we protect our men on the field? And how could we make, um, how could we reduce fatalities and, and unnecessary losses in this force of highly trained experts? Okay, which are now not expendable anymore because they are not trying out experimental vehicles uh, like they did when they were the original 13. So let's create a whole bunch of motorized packs that maybe can allow them to do that. And I'm not talking about a lifeline situation. You know, we can have cool little missile launches and we can have cool uh, little like robot drones or some kind of drone launching device, you know, walks out and shoots out a little jet or something. I mean, I I didn't want to go into too much depth with this. I just wanted to express the concept. You could take the motorized action pack concept even further, which could have forced us as kids to buy every one of them because the subsequent vehicles that would be released in the same line could have a plug-in section where you could plug in certain motorized vehicles to certain vehicles or the same motorized vehicle to different vehicles and, and get like a different effect or rather... You know, you could add the, like, you could have some kind of cool um, little APC, for example, um, and it could be, you know, like, that could be the, not the Dominator, maybe the Eliminator, and its job is to actually eliminate battlefield threats, things like mines and that kind of stuff. Therefore, reducing the risk of, you know, operators like Lightfoot and Tripwire, who could be pulled back, once again, those operators could actually become Battlefield 2000 members and actually have a re-release as figures, um, and not just a repaint, but maybe like a uniformed sort of force within G.I. Joe that is designed to do this. You would You would feel that, oh, cool, I've got this vehicle. Now, I really want to get Dodger because I really want his motorized backpack to go with this vehicle because I'd love to have this vehicle with this little rocket launcher or this vehicle with this cool rotating gun. And it doesn't necessarily have to be motorized. I'm just putting that out there as far as the motorized packs go.
0: If there were additional motorized weapon systems that somehow added to the vehicles, now yeah. I'm on side, bro.
2: Exactly, right? I mean, and and the vehicle doesn't have to look spare without it. It's just that it's something that enhances the vehicle, you know? And and I think that could have propelled the line further. In fact, and, and this is dangerous territory. I know this, folks. Uh, so when I say this, but we could have actually had a whole bunch of vehicles that we've had before like the Sky Striker and like a Vamp, uh, for example, and actually have them sort of retooled to accept these motorized packs and that could be the Battlefield 2000s test or experimental weapons. Why? Because you're taking something that exists and you're adding new tooling to it and you're then making it experimental. You know, you're taking it far beyond its original prototype into mass production quality and then giving it an edge by making it somewhat unique. So... That that could have added to it, perhaps. And it um, could have been
0: as, as simple as just reusing the universal, um, uh, what is it, the the, the barbell uh, kind of mounts that you get on on jets and whatnot, you know, for, for missiles.
2: Yeah, it could have just been that. It could have simply just have been, you know, those little wing
1: pegs. So you wing, can mount uh, this
0: experimental laser system that, say, Knockdown comes with, uh yes. onto the wing of the uh, conquest
2: yeah exactly that that's mm. exactly what i'm getting at it gotcha. doesn't necessarily yeah so they like hasbro didn't have to waste all of this money on these uh, elaborate vehicles that that i think were a hard sell or that history has proven uh, to be a hard sell and you could have just made older vehicles interesting and therefore re released a lot of older inventory then you know just take it one step further if you look at the Battleforce 2000 cards, although they're kind of pokey, but there is a kind of a recurring theme. Every one of these members, okay, recurring theme, yeah, for the most part, every one of these members has some kind of oddball, very human backstory. You know, uh, I think Blocker is a is a taxi cab driver and he's seen it all. You know, and you know that's yeah, why is kind he a
0: white guy. <laughs>
2: Yeah, which I also thought. I mean, and and also, not, Battle Force two thousand aren't very
0: progressive, are they? <laughs> Just no, a bunch of white you know, guys. Easy. Some of them have, have Spanish-sounding names, but like, they're all lily whites. Oh dear.
2: Well, that's the other thing. There's not diversity in that line whatsoever. But then again, you know, you got Blocker with these these taxi cab situation. Okay, that's fine. But what I'm seeing here is this: all of these guys seem to have kind of traumatic lives, or seem to have some serious anger issue, or or something that needs to be dealt with. So, obviously, these guys are not, I don't know, for some reason they just didn't get the, the check on the box that said they could go into to standard training. Or rather, they did, and then something happened on the battlefield, but they're still competent soldiers, so they should be used for something. So, in a lot of ways, these guys are kind of like G.I. Joe's Suicide Squad. So, that could have been interesting as well. Like, maybe, you know, maybe turn all of these characters into into soldiers that have sort of, in a weird way, been dishonorably discharged, and now have a second chance to try and do something worthwhile.
0: <laughs> You're, uh, barking up the, uh, slaughters, renegades, tree, th- aren't you? No, renegades, bro.
2: I am, I am, I am, but I didn't mean to do that on purpose, it was just, it just seemed, I uh, just, it's just something that just shot out at me when I was reading the file cards. I just looked at these guys, and I was like, wow, this is a stressed bunch of individuals.
0: I hope you didn't read as far as 1989, bro, because DJ has got the worst credentials of any G.I. Joe I think I've ever read the file card of.
2: Oh, yeah, he's a he DJ. He was a
0: disc jockey. <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean, no, I, I, I'm i a DJ, but, like, I'm a bedroom... Oh, cool. not, yeah. Yeah, exactly, right. It's just, yeah, I mean like really this guy's a DJ and now he's like somehow in the military. Like I can, I can believe that because he obviously had a very good six or seven months playing clubs, didn't know how to reinvent himself, needed to pay the rent and enlisted himself. So <laughs> that's the only way I can make sense of that situation,
0: but all the way to GI Joe,
2: <laughs> all the way to GI Joe. no
0: <laughs>
2: Anyway, my major thing would be let's reinvent the line. Let's go fully into the experimental side but let's see what we can do and be smart and give the characters something. Because Battlefield 2000's char- the toys, the actual action figures, are very hollow. I saw an Avalanche the other day. Minton Carter had it in hand. And I was like, oh, shit, this is such an uninteresting figure. You know, like, wow. Like, if I'm going to give this guy 500 bucks or 600 bucks to get this carded figure, it's not going to be Avalanche, okay? Because... I'd feel too bad spending the money on it. I'd feel worse if I opened it because what am I supposed to do with it once it's open? You know, so it's just, it's just it, no, it has no appeal for me now. I know for a fact it had no appeal for me as a kid. So let's make it interesting. I mean, there's a, a kid inside me who always sees G.I. Joe vehicles that look interesting or have some kind of interesting feature. It might not be the best vehicles, but I'm always like, oh, cool. I really want to see what that's about. I really want to like mess with that. You know, and check out that feature or the motorized battle packs get me every time. I'm all like, oh, I wonder what that does. You know, like I know what it does, but I want to see it do it kind of thing. Um, So that's where where a lot of this conversation came from. Another side of it, and uh, this is something that's now sort of into the sort of public consciousness or mainstream consciousness as far as um, retro fanboyism goes. But this Battle Force 2000 could have also been a very interesting time for G.I. Joe and Transformers. I'm not necessarily saying that they would have to merge with Transformers or have Transformers as a cross branding exercise. But with robots being as popular as they were and robots kind of being uh, their rivals in a lot of ways, I mean, they were fighting for space on the toy aisles. Um, it would have been kind of cool to give Battle Force 2000. Same idea, instead of motorized packs, give them little robots, like little, cool, like little robot things, and it could be a combiner thing, so once you've bought all six of the Battle Force 2000, you've got their robot sidekick that you've assembled out of all of these parts, and now that you've assembled it out of all of those parts, you could have had leftover parts, which could be special experimental weapons that could have been used by BF2000, and once again, there's a lot of trade-off with, oh, I want Blocker to use this, and oh, I want Avalanche, who shouldn't even exist to use this, and and that kind of thing. There could have been a a cross-pollination of gear, and the vehicles could have also taken a modular approach if Hasbro felt that they had to make completely new vehicles. They could have made, um, What I mean, what have they done here? They've got six vehicles. They could have actually, instead of gone with sort of an assortment of, there's a small vehicle, there's a biggish vehicle, there's a giant vehicle, and then there's a a dustbuster. They could have just made it like okay these are actually very sort of uh, modestly sized vehicles but if you buy this one and this one you can take them apart and recombine them again in a different way and make them interesting matchbox was doing a similar concept at the time i think hot wheels was as well i think the micro machines were also doing something similar to that possibly at the same time or a little bit later and there were various other asian toys that had already had that concept nailed And I think it would have been a lot of fun to have that in G.I. Joe because when I used to have this cool modular set that was motorized, when I say motorized, it's like, you know, when you push it, it goes, and then it just goes on its own sort of tangent.
0: Friction power.
2: Yeah, it was friction power. And you could put, it had this like little node, like a... Like a very sort of innocuous little thing. It was just had wheels at the bottom with like little rubber bits of rubber on, so it had some grip. But you could just like plaster shit all over it. You could plaster like treads on it, big guns. You could put two of them together and put even more stuff on. And it had like little spaces for these little guys that were like uh, chrome, gold plated that could like sit in those guns and turrets. I don't know what the name is. I've been looking online for, for like forever. I cannot find them. But <laughs> I always used a couple to think, of years
0: oh, ago, I gave away my collection of those things. I think, to uh, my family's domestic worker. <laughs> Damn. Sorry, Paul.
2: No, no, no. Don't stress about <laughs> it, man. I always wanted them to be bigger. They could have been G.I. Joe's size. I would have loved something like that from G.I. Joe. And Battle Force 2000 could have been that. Not built to rule, people. Not the same kind of hokiness. A little bit smarter than that. But it could have worked out really well. And I think that's where I'm going to leave... How I would improve Battleforce would be to take the concept in that direction and and to really make it experimental and to have stuff that is really outworldly but not stupid and also leave it to the imagination of cool kids of kids who would who were dying for something like that you know the kids who would later go on to cut their vamps in half and do amazing customs I'm looking at you Jim I suppose they could have even taken just a vindicator as it is right. Okay, they could have made the whole Battle Force 2000 a self-improvement thing, okay? They, and they could have started with the bat- with the Vindicator. Could have had a real dustbuster feature. So not only are you playing with the toy, you helping mom clean the house, okay?
1: Because that's the only way you can make this freaking thing cool. You you stole my joke completely. You were minutes ahead of me on that one. I'm nice. sorry,
2: man. Um, no, yo, no, no. I'm just- I wasn't gonna let that dustbuster
1: stuff mess. miss,
2: dude. It just looks like it. I can't. I can't get away from it and and at the same by the same token it's it's kind of cool looking but no it's not. Anyway, so that's my BF2000 uh, suggestion. I'm sorry I didn't break it into points quite as um, neatly as Steven did.
0: Oh, but I Paul, did try once to... I got started I was all over the place, man. Figures, Forget- <laughs> can't do anything about those. Vehicles, uh this is my checklist and lastly make the future fortress the MCC. <laughs> with a whole bunch of Battleforce 2000 vehicles clicked onto it.
2: Yeah, well, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's interesting because I had the same kind of concept and when I heard you talking about it, I was like, okay, cool. Because, I mean, uh, what I've just spoken about now is essentially what I want to do. But my idea was to also have it attached to something bigger. And then you mentioned it. I was like, okay, I'm not going to sound redundant there. I'm just going to let the other ones let loose.
0: True Joe... Mm -hmm. how would you fix the battle force 2000
1: bro to be honest you guys have broken my brain so i'm collecting my thoughts as i speak i would say first of all i agree with paul the battle force 2000 isn't future in the right way and it's kind of sabotaged by its design from the outset because uh, where we're used to seeing explosions which makes the art pop there's almost like a cooling effect behind the characters so it doesn't necessarily jump off the shelf at you at first when i first saw this when i was a kid i was like huh gi joe has a force you know in 2000 which 2000 is a big number um the future man yeah so like i didn't actually think the battle force 2000 was at the same timeline as the joes and i think like if you went that direction and made it like there's a couple joes from the past that are still in this it would really open up an interesting storyline as to what has happened to everybody, but they didn't take it that way. So I feel like they missed the narrative on that one. As far as the design aesthetic, I can't add anything that you guys haven't covered Uh, except for, I look at the weapons and when you're talking future, it's gotta be about the weapons. Like when you're thinking about that new alien movie and that director from South Africa, that's doing it. I know I, I know we're just game. waiting to see what kind of weapons he breaks out. So mm. the future is about weapons when you're talking military. And uh, what's your favorite gun out of a lot? Like on the primary here.
2: I have got a I just want to make sure it is the one I'm thinking of. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm really we're really not spoiled for choice. <laughs> uh, if I if I was hard pressed uh Kujo like to choose one gun that I think is better than all the others and it's pretty shit anyway still well actually that's not fair it's just not the best but Dodger's gun like that one that's got those like spikes on the on the hand on the the guard like that's the only one I think can get away but it's so close to being a weapon from the core
0: (laughs) true (laughs) it looks like a futuristic shotgun with uh, a sort of underslung uh, rocket yeah the spiked handle is a nice touch that would have been my pick, but since you've got it, um, I'm going to go with Blocker's gun, which at least has a nice little sling that you can use to kind of, you know, he can have it on his off his shoulder, um, keep his hands free, and then whip it into firing position. Kind of wish more G.I. Joe guns had something like that.
2: I do like it on Shipwreck's gun. I mm. won't lie.
1: Yeah. I'm kind of feeling DJ's gun, to be honest, just because it feels future to me.
2: Um, oh shit, I totally forgot about old DJ. Yeah, his gun. His gun is actually cool. I I can I can second that.
1: I think that maybe this idea was born out of a, the fact that sci-fi hit a year previous. Am I right on that one,
0: Stephen? Have Have you guys been smoking it up together? Let me just back that one up. You both like DJ's gun. My goodness. Listen, in in
2: all of these figures, I'm sorry, but yeah, DJ and Dodger's gun they stand out. At least DJ's gun is designed well. Like, what I mean is, is that it's not, it's in a, it's like, you either like it or hate it, but it's still made well. It's it has fluid designs,
1: boring. which is what you're looking for from the future. That's
2: visual interest, at least. Uh, yeah. it's, it's it's more than the other shit. <laughs> this is a but figure i The design notes of
0: that gun weren't picked up by any of the earlier Force 2000 guns. So, I mean, I am absolutely in love with your concept, Cujo, that that this is somehow a splinter group that exists in the future, which is now the past, (laughs) but this is G.I. Joe of two thousand, where the Joe team is this just these six guys and their experimental vehicles. I mean the the card blurb didn't back that up, but I can see how that would have saved this concept. Imaginatively for a child who had the toys and felt they weren't integrating very well with his existing GI Joe action figures. Well, Kids were eating
2: his cereal and playing with these toys and watching like GI Joe on in the afternoon or on Saturday morning, going, "Whoa, GI Joe fucked up! <laughs> the future's <Yeah>. looking bleak."
0: <laughs> kind of reminds me of uh, Captain Power and the Soldiers of the Future. And I know the analogy has been made a couple of times. Those of you who don't know the show, Google it, Captain Power. Uh, But the Battle Force 2000 guys could be like that splinter group of of, um, soldiers of the future who are hopelessly outnumbered. They're sort of fighting a resistance movement against, well, in the show, it was against Lord Dread, who was this kind of cyborg and his legion of robots who had taken over the world, basically. But in this case, it could be the future of the GI Joe Cobra conflict, where Cobra is won, and this is all that's left of GI Joe—just these six dudes in the future, i.e., <laughs> 2000.
1: Well, I, sorry, GI like, yeah. Oh no, you're good. I, I was thinking, like, if I was Collectors Club, which I'm not, I, I would have gone, tw- you know, Battle Force 2025, like create a new layer of intrigue you can can use similar character designs just call them different names and use different color palettes but like once again you would be drawn in you're like oh what what's going on with these guys why is this guy like a a toxic environment specialist you're like why do we need that guy so Mm. once again like i I usually when i'm barking i usually say that gi joe is just kind of missing the storyline and that's probably what i'm going to say here uh, the character design, I don't like it cuz most of it doesn't feel future, it feels janky to me. So like I I just don't know. I had janky a couple of other... cool <laughs> Well, it feels it's it cuz like yeah. well when you're thinking about like future vehicles and Steven was nailing all over this, but the vindicator and and I love thinking about the handybacks now because the vindicator is an awesome concept and you know the people riding in it are like laughing hilariously out of nervousness because if you take that thing up, you're not sure if it's coming down in one piece. (laughs) Put your
0: pilots up front with no protection. Wonderful.
1: Well, they're probably, like, holding hands the whole time, just like, just like, my God, guys, hang on. And
0: now we shall pray. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I I like how Hama dealt with it, not because they needed to be killed off, but he endeared them in that way to the to the fans, whereas I think they were a miss up until that point. But now you can go like, oh yeah, they got wiped out. You know, there's significance to them, um, and it leaves their one survivor kind of like a, you know, a, a story that you want to follow if they they took it somewhere interesting.
0: The irony just occurred to me that uh, the Battle Force 2000 team never saw the year 2000. <laughs> <laughs> He he killed them off in, like, the early 90s. Damn, man. Damn. Yeah, but But, he gave uh, them a
1: swift kick in the nuts, eh? Damn. You know, I do have a personal story. Uh, And, like, honestly, when I talk, like, G.I. Joe and relationships that revolve around it, I go, me and the Collector's Club go back. They don't get it, or they don't don't know, because, like, I'm just me, but I've attended several of the conventions. To me, it feels like, the Collectors Club is doing this on a dare because they're trying to bring intrigue to something that that didn't hit. So I commend them on it. Uh, I'm not going to comment on their their, their characters or, or the or the uh, continuing uh, bat introduction to the line. But I mean, as far as uh, as far as Battle Force 2000, I'll, I'll leave it on a high point. As I was kind of alluding before, me and the Collectors Club having a history. Uh, I went to their New Orleans convention. Oh, cool. And honestly, I wasn't sober for one minute, but <laughs> I, was on the, uh, I was on the convention floor, and, and I ran into a fan casually, and we were just talking, and I remember him saying that his, his, his favorite Joe was Dodger, and that threw me off my game so much that I spent almost the rest of the weekend trying to figure out, like... Where to hide the body. Well, yeah, I, I just was like, well, well do Sorry. I even understand, GI Joe? But yeah, no, I I actually on that on that trip won a fuchsia his tank, which kind of validates my collection. So that no, is I, actually I, cool. Yeah, dude. I mean, everybody or or there's people that have a pimp daddy destro, but who's got? I the was fuchsia gonna say,
2: with their powers combined, that would be the coolest thing ever: pimp daddy destro in a
1: purple tank. F- you yeah. you'd need some hydraulics yeah. on it. Um. No. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, oh, Battle yeah. Force Two Thousand. What, what what a crazy dare! They just missed the mark. They hit with sci-fi, but a year later, they, they couldn't find the mojo.
2: Sci-fi was sick, and he's uh, and and he was uh, a really great uh, modern era figure as well. Oh, a greater, a better modern era figure than he is a vintage figure. Let's be fair, even though he is my first Joe.
1: Well, on that point, you guys were mentioning like uh, the backstories for, for the Battle Force Two Thousand people. They they just weren't futury enough. Like, yeah, it, it didn't excite me. Like with with sci-fi it was like the guy lives life in slow motion that just makes you kind of think so like no, yeah the they just part. needed more quirk and, and a better design aesthetic. now that you mentioned
2: it, I think sci-fi is on methamphetamines or something He's, he's probably cool. rocking the MDMA because wow well, yeah
1: I always imagined him if I if I was ever gonna introduce him to a like a, a story, he would just kind of like float through conversations. Like, he'd kind of almost play that X-Men role where that one guy runs faster than the world or whatever. I can't think of his name. Oh,
2: yeah. You're thinking of Quicksilver.
1: I can imagine him seeing a firefight with, like, trap music going, like, real kind of melodic, where he's just kind of seeing people make moves and just adjusting to everything.
0: (laughs) Um, Wow. (laughs) Superpowered Joe, that's my goodness.
1: Well, he, he would have his flaws. You know, when you live in slow motion, you, you disassociate, I guess. <laughs>
0: That's okay. He can disassociate all he wants, as long as he just goes out and wins the war for us. Sci-fi. <laughs> yeah, man. That was the perhaps the biggest um, plot hole in, in the latest uh, X-Men movies.
1: Uh, why didn't Quicksilver just, like, fix everything? <laughs> huh. Um, I couldn't really think of a animal companion for any one of the characters that made sense. Do you, got, do you sense anything?
0: A Tamagotchi?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's from the
0: future.
2: <laughs> it's a pet, and it shits, and it eats, and it dies, but it's,
1: it's not real. But it is real. It's real to me. Nice. <laughs> Honestly, DJ, you could give him, like, a Chihuahua or something. I mean... Because, you know, DJ you know probably travels around with like a
0: little dog in a bag or something. <laughs> you could go there. Gosh. Uh, ever um, gotten into a cab and the driver has some kind of creature comfort?
1: Uh, not, not lately.
0: <laughs> Damn.
1: What do you got? Well,
0: geez, I don't know. Something reptilian, perhaps? Maybe Blocker used to have uh, his gila monster right up front with him?
1: Hold on now. <laughs> the, the, the lizard pet's already been covered. But but we're not quite there yet. Oh damn! So I, I can see a cat. I can see a cat on the dash. Cool. Mysterious.
2: Yeah, I can't imagine an an animal companion. I mean, if this is a a group that's meant to experiment on stuff, I'm just I'm just thinking that uh, they won't be allowed animals. But you know, that's just me.
1: They could do a GI Joe Battle Force 2000 movie that would be much akin to uh, the Flashpoint Paradox, and it could just be fucking arresting. They did. Uh, it's it's interesting you
2: said that because I think it, uh, IDW did a uh, GI Joe in the future kind of line. I, I'm I failed to remember the actual uh, title of it, but it had like a I think I think Scarlet was the leader of the Joes. Uh, she was much much older. Like much. Are you much talking older about bit.
1: the noir series that that mini series they ran?
2: I think it's set, but it's set in the future. It's 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 not like five minutes in the future. It's like it's literally set like twenty or thirty years or twenty years from
1: now. It might be twenty ninety nine. I'm not sure if I've broken the spines on them, but they're definitely in my living room. I'd be very keen to check them out. I'd I'd
2: like to see where they go with them. Visually, it didn't grab me, but hey, you know, it's not not always how it's not how it looks. It's what it's about, you know. So or I'm not criticizing the art. I'm just saying the design didn't grab me, but you know. But oh, the, no! Battle IDW Force is part, probably fine. Yeah,
1: IDW is killing it storyline wise, but not all their art hits with me either. I mean, that's mm. not a criticism of the art. It's just you know my eyes.
2: Not always your thing, yeah. Uh, there's a new uh, GI Joe series. I think it's. I think the latest one is called Revolution. And I do apologize for sounding like a complete noob and not really knowing it that stuff because unfortunately the comics are sort of out of my grasp at the moment. But I think it's that re- revolution series that's meant to be uh, merging Microman and all of that stuff together currently. And Jim and another guy posted some stuff on our closed Facebook group about the art, and we're allowed to not like certain things, and you know we're allowed to have differing opinions. But I looked at that art and I just thought, wow! If I had submitted art like that to try and get to draw comic pages, they would have like turned me down. And I was actually shocked at the quality of that art. And I'm sorry, but it's just, it's not professional. Uh, And I don't think it's very well done. It looks like like some kid's manga fan art. It's terrible. At least to my eyes. But hey, it's in a book. It means somebody likes it. It means it has a market. So who am I to say?
0: You know, but damn. (laughs) Wow. Damn you, IDW! Hire that guy. Hire Paul.
2: <laughs> that is very good. It's it's. I'm working on my my early Zaymod and Tomax accent as well. So, because their early accent is not as cool as their later accent in the cartoon <laughs> series.
0: Give us a demonstration, Paul.
2: Uh, Tomax was all like, he sounds like Marvin the Martian. He's like, oh, it's GI
0: Joe. You know?
2: <laughs> what? Oh, G.I. Joe. <laughs> it's like it's weird. I, I'm I'm trying to get that Marvin the Martian inflection in there as well. Oh, my Cody four eighty quantum accelerator. That's kind of what he sounds like. He's like, oh, it's G.I. Joe. We better jump out the window. <laughs> Watch <laughs> out, brother. <laughs>
0: it's terrible. Okay. <laughs> better stick to the Storm Shadow impersonations, bro.
2: <laughs> you defy the art of a ninja. Love
0: that <laughs> shit. Great. And with that, folks, I think it's time to sign off for episode. Gosh, did we even title it? 80 of G.I. Joeberg. Oh, my word. <laughs> yep, we're bringing it back from the 80s to the 2000s. It was Battle Force 2000. They are mercifully no longer with us. <laughs> Some concepts should stay dead. But if you are a fan of Battle Force 2000, let us know. Get a hold of us, Facebook us, email us, YouTube us, do something to us. <laughs> Tweet us. Uh, we are G.I. Joe Berg across the board.
2: Just remember, if you're feeling self-conscious about approaching us about Battle Force, just remember how much I love Tiger Force and how much you probably don't. <laughs> so, just keeping it real.
1: Speaking of tweets, I love it when people promote the Joe brand. If you like those tweets showing up on your thread, Eric Handy throws a lot of G.I. Joe comic tweets out there. That's appreciated. He's also an author. Also, he throws out some tweets that are somewhat controversial. So, yeah, enjoy that if you want. Eric, uh, because we always drop animal companions on G.I. Joe promoters, I'm going to give you a... Hold on. I forget what the bird's called, dude.
0: Oh, dear. Cockatoo. No. Condor.
1: Tit. No. Kitty It's not threatening in the least, and it's colorful. Parrot. No. Brazilian bird spider. No. It, it fans out. It fans out its tail. Peacock. Peacock. Okay, okay. I'm going to give you a peacock, and that's a commentary on your colorful tweets. Um, nice work, brother.
2: <laughs> I just realized a new special feature behind the flight pod and it does sort of go together with our battle for 2000 conversation at least some of the concepts I mentioned if you have one of these modern era Cobra flight pods, trouble bubbles, and you remove the back section which is the main booster rudder control the peg in it is the same size as the back peg on a modern era figure so now you essentially have a modern era figure with that flight pods backpack on and wait if you call now it has a little hole in the back which I uh, believe is designed to be the port for the fuel uh, nozzle on the pterodrome, and you can actually put your modern era figure backpack in there. So now my beachhead has got the flight pods backpack and his backpack on together. Yay, Battle Force 2000.
0: Nice. That's what we need. Loads bit. of jetpacks.
2: Loads of jetpacks. You could even make him wear the trouble bubble on his back as a backpack. Oh my god, that's so
0: cool. <laughs> and with that, folks, we're signing off. This has been G.I. Joe Joburg's Steve
1: Paul, who's modular. And Special Missions. It's been a pleasure.
0: Goodbye, everybody. Uh, catch you next time. Ciao, ciao.